It's time for the Wrestling Perspective Podcast on Fightful. That guy right there, Lars Fredrickson. I'm Dennis Farrell. We are against the clock today, so we're going to jump right into it. We got a Medusa coming up here in a few minutes, so we don't want to keep her waiting. But we have a lot of fan questions and comments and a couple hot takes, Lars. Are you ready to knock this out? I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm really excited to have Medusa coming on the show here very, very shortly. But I'm also very excited about this new thing that we've been doing about getting the, the questions from the people who watch the uh, or listen to the Wrestling Perspective podcast via video or uh, on their favorite place to get podcasts. You've never sounded more old ever in your life than than that. You're like, that, that thing, you pull out your, your jitterbug. Get it on your jitterbug. Hey, you know what? You get it on the phony thing. <laughs> so uh wrestling perspective at gmail.com make sure you take down that email address that's where you send your submissions george p in michigan wants to know what is our favorite wrestling memory holy lord i mean there's been so many for me uh can you think of one right off the top of your head i can i i want to say it was like 88 uh, center stage, Atlanta, Georgia. I went to see uh, WCW with my Boy Scout troop, and I got to meet Sting and Lex Luger. They both shook my hand. I rem- I will always remember that memory until the day I die. Well, you know, I was actually at center stage one time when WrestleMania was in Georgia, and ROH was doing a show. It's funny that you mentioned that because it just triggered this whole memory about meeting Jim Cornette for the first time. And uh, it was really cool because he was super nice and super gracious with me. And uh, it turns out that, you know, his wife, Stacy, uh, actually was from my hometown and we sort of kind of knew a lot of the same people. So it was like even that much more special. But I will say that probably one of my favorite all time wrestling memories is when when I went and saw uh at the cow palace they were doing uh wwf or wwe i should say was doing a house show there and my dear friend cm punk started a riot never heard of him but he started he started a riot in that place it was fucking nuts it was the straight edge society i think it was him against jericho was what the match was supposed to be and jericho was super scared and didn't want to walk out there because obviously uh, punk, you know, but actually, my friend Kevin Gill, um, who we've had on the show, and it was a commentator for uh, Game Changer Wrestling at one point, um, he actually filmed it, and you can actually see it on YouTube. Nice, go look it up when you're done watching this. By the way, of course, uh, of course. Robert from Foot Fort Hood wants to know how would you both start a promotion, and how would you take it from indies to TV one way. Well, you know, it is a little known fact that I have rest uh, have been a wrestling promoter and a booker at one point in my uh, career. Um, but getting it, I don't know. Huh, that would be hard. I, you know, you would obviously want to start locally. That's kind of what I would think. And I mean, right now, though, you can kind of get with the interwebs and everything like that. You can kind of get your promotion seen by many, many different eyes now in this in today's world. So. Answering that question, you know, I guess it would just be making that decision of of of, of promoting, really. Yeah, I, well, I think being on TV and 
maybe even I can't speak for any wrestlers, but being signed to major companies right now might be slightly overrated because you can make probably just as much, if not more money on the indies right now. So I'd go, maybe I'd be happy with a, a higher browse streaming service. So uh, yeah. thank you, Robert. Don from Brantford, Canada wants to know if you could both write one song for a wrestler, who would that be? I'm not writing a song, but if Lars, I'm going to say if I could pick a wrestler for Lars to write a song. Oh, this is a good one. Um, You know what? Give me Brody King. Ooh, that'd be a good, you know what, because not only I could probably write this song, but he could be a great singer. I mean, he is a great singer with God's hate. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that could be a match made in heaven or hell, however you want to look at it. Right. I, I think, you know, as far as if I were to take one guy that I would want to do something with, I, I, I don't think it would be like one guy. I would want to write a song for a faction. Does that make sense? Like oh, if yeah. I, I've, and I've, and I feel like the opportunity is still there, but I think that me and Diener could write a, a banger for violent by design. All right, Diener, you hear it. You're on the clock. Uh, Norris Sparks says another podcast that shows no love for impact wrestling. Bobby fish had a match with Josh Alexander. And of course you guys don't even talk about it. <laughs> you want to take this one? Well, Kind of because we just had Bobby Fish on here like literally last week. Um, and we talk about impact a lot. As a matter of fact, that this question was going to come, I have made myself a little list about the impact wrestlers that we have had on this show Jessica Havoc, Bully Ray, Brian Myers, Trey Miguel, Scott Damore, Jordan Grace. Juan and the Good Brothers when they were there. That's just who I could remember. Petey so, Williams. Petey Williams was a co-host. You know, so not too sure where that question is coming from. I don't know if he's talking about recently or if it, or if uh, maybe we we don't cover impact enough. I'm not crazy too sure, but I feel like if we were to count all of the podcasts or all of the interviews that we have done since I've been part of this, uh, this podcast, I would say the impact uh, wrestlers or people who wrestled currently at that time when we did the interview were, in, I would say the most have been impact wrestlers. And by the way, we are the podcast that got killer cross and Eli Drake fired by the way, before you came along, but we're not yeah. done getting people fired. So you never know who's next. You, you never know who we can get fired. No. Uh, Fernando Zayas says, uh, awesome stream, guys. It's my first time viewing. Thank you for landing on Fightful. Found the stream uh, insightful. Very entertaining. Great interview talking about the Bobby Fish. Thank you, Fernando. Uh, Trouble NYC says, Lars is the man, a wrestling fan too. Love it. There you go. Uh, Aaron out of Houston says, uh, how would you end Sami Zayn bloodline story if you could end it? Why don't you answer that one first? Because I think that uh, I'm kind of curious to see how you would do about it. Go about I, it. I, so I was just talking actually to Petey Williams about this. And I pitched stupid ideas to him because everybody wants to be heard. And sure. I had said to him, if I'm booking Roman, because Petey goes, if you know, who would you book Roman for at WrestleMania? I said, I'd actually start now and book him versus Braun Breaker, right? 
and it would be, uh, you know, uh, Roman wants all the championships and he's going for Braun. Braun calls in the Steiner brothers, who is, you know, his father and uncle. And then you kind of have a bloodline versus uh, bloodline kind of uh, fight. In the process, Sami Zayn flips on the bloodline and, and costs uh, Roman the championship at WrestleMania. And there you build up a major star without really hurting Roman Reigns. Well, see, here's another thing. It's like you can almost, there's so many ways that you could go about ending this, but I wouldn't end it anytime soon. As a matter of fact, I would keep it going and I would have something pivotal happen at the WrestleMania. And I would think it would be like a gracious gesture um, of Roman Reigns maybe interfering on the level of a, in a Sami Zayn match, right? I don't know how that would look or how that would work or maybe Roman Reigns, you know, Whoever Sami Sami Zayn has it that you know he he somehow gets himself involved to kind of show that he's got loyalty to Sami right because you know we're still seeing that he's he's still a little distrustful. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. So you play it on down the line. It would you could do it a few different ways. You can have the whole bloodline turn on on. Uh, What's his nuts? God damn it. Why? Roman Reigns. Thank you. You could have the whole entire bloodline turn on Roman Reigns and then Sami Zayn becomes the head of the table. You can do it like that. Right. Or, you you know, there's so many ways. I'd prefer to see some kind of weird, maybe maybe there's a four way uh, match for the title or something like that. And Sami Zayn is the hand chosen one and somehow things can happen and Roman Reigns gets knocked out and somehow Sami Zayn falls on top of him and the ref counts one, two, three. And now all of a sudden Sami Zayn's a world heavyweight champion. You know, there's so many things that you can do. Um, wrestling history will show us that they've done pretty much everything you possibly can do, you know? So, but I, I think to carry on this storyline for as long as they possibly can would be the right move. All right. Lightning round, because we want to get to as many as, these as we possibly can. Jerry from Morrow, Georgia wants to know who is the most current underrated champion tag team or any other belts right now, in your opinion, I'd say Josh Alexander. I don't think he yeah. has the respect he deserves. So that would be my answer right there. Yeah. I would um, definitely give Josh Alexander that credit as well. All right. Uh, Chuck D not that one wants to know, uh, is there one interview that you both have done that changed your opinion on that wrestler or made you a fan or not like that person afterwards? Why you think I'm going to say Rocky Romero for mine. He's been on a couple times. Every time this guy's come on, he's been insightful and fun. And I, I could keep interviewing him because he just, he's so humble, has so much to say, and he's done so much in wrestling that nobody's even talks about. Yeah, I definitely don't think I've ever had an experience where I've disliked somebody or liked them less as a result of talking to them. I actually feel like in all cases, I've liked them more because the fact that we've been able to get personable with so many different kinds of personalities in the professional wrestling business. Um, it's been an honor and a privilege, honestly, to be able to talk to a lot of these people. Sure, there's some duds, but uh, you know, one guy that I really felt that much more in love with after we interviewed him was Willie Mack. Oh, that's a great one. Uh, Mohammed says, I'm pulling for Vince McMahon to return to TV as a heel. I really think bringing him back to TV right now would give WWE that hill that could go up against MJF. Uh, I, you know what? I kind of 
disagree. I just I want them far away from the product as possible. Uh, let the let this new generation fiddle with it. Uh, let's see what they can do. I it's you know what you can never go home again. Vince McMahon was one of the greatest hills of the of the you know attitude era. Anytime he popped back on TV, even with Austin Theory, it just never felt right to me. And I think you'd get more of that, at least in my opinion. I 100% agree with you as well. Um, and I understand what, what they, the person, you know, I, I understand what they're trying to convey. Vince McMahon in the Attitude Era was a great heel. I mean, it was perfect. It was a match made in heaven, right? Today, today's standards, I'm with you on this. I see what they're trying to do down at the WWE, the way that they're turning around these things, making the episodes and the programming watchable, uh, uh, you know, mentioning things like, you know, pro wrestling again on their TV. It, it's done nothing but made me more of a fan, honestly. Vicky from Florida says, do you have any wrestling tattoos? If not, what would you get? I have a few wrestling tattoos. I have a Masaba tattoo. I have a Jushin Thunder Liger tattoo. I have a June Kasai tattoo. I have a tiger mask tattoo. Um, and I think that's about it. I do not. Uh, I don't think of, I can't think of anything cool that I'd want to get tattooed. Uh, I don't, uh, there's no faction tattoo that I, maybe the four horsemen. I, I might could go with that. Cause that's a pretty cool classic logo, but I don't, the NWO is a cool logo, but I wouldn't get it tattooed on me. Yeah. You know, I, there is only, there, there, there is a few that I probably would get on me, but I, definitely maybe a four horseman tattoo. That would be kind of sick, honestly. But you don't um, have room for it. Do you? I probably somewhere I I'd much rather get like a, I, but I, I'd probably more have to get a fabulous Freebirds tattoo than a four horseman. Badge for USA. God damn, I yeah. love them. And yeah. uh, last one that came in, uh, you don't know about this. This comes from Ray. If you had, if you could bring back one of your favorite wrestling merch that you owned when you were younger or a kid, what would it be? Why you think, I'm going to tell you, uh, back in the, gosh, way early 90s, late 80s, I owned the, like, they were styrofoam road warrior shoulder pads. They were very small. I you may know yes and they you know the old styrofoam belts that you could get that were like they look like a woman's championship size belt on I'd bring both those back that I used to own maybe the plastic WCW figures I owned I loved all those guys but uh that the road warriors shoulder pads were walking around my house acting like I'm hawk or animal that's what I'd bring back if I could own yeah I mean I there's I mean a lot of the toys, because that was the stuff that I think I was most mostly gravitated to, and even the T-shirts to a certain degree, a lot of them have been, you know, either you can find now on, uh, you know, through traders or whatever, but they obviously, you know, quadrupled in cost, if not more. Um, but a lot of the toys, I mean, you know, they're, they're redoing kind of like the Hasbro um, style uh, wrestling figures. I mean, there's so many things now that I don't think were they were they were capable of doing at the time that we have. Well, <laughs> sorry, that was my nicotine pill. But anyways, um, I've been off smoking four years and I'm still on nicotine pills. But my point is, is that I would I would go back to those Jim Crockett early Jim Crockett T-shirts and I would repress 
a run of those and I would do them like a limited edition style so you could pre-order. Oh, that's a good one. You beat me on that one. Uh, listen, uh, we had fun. Make sure you get your questions in wrestlingperspective at gmail.com. Uh, save it in your phone. Get it tattooed on your arm. Do whatever you need to do. We love hearing from you. We want your hot takes. We want your fan questions. We want your opinions. Uh, we, we're having fun. We were just talking about this today, how much fun these questions are. Yeah. I mean, this is now becoming one of my favorite things to do on our podcast. I mean, I obviously love talking to our guests, but it's kind of great to hear about what other people are thinking about their ideas and, you know, just their questions. I'm interested just on their takes as well. So please keep emailing us those questions, those remarks, anything you want to say, even if you want to say, blow me, you know, send us an email. Well, but send it to Lars, not me. I get enough of those. I, I will say one thing. We did get one email. It didn't make it there, but I guess it's going to now. Uh, I don't remember who it was from. And they asked if we would bring back a classic segment that Petey and I did. And that I think it'd be hard, but it's fun to talk about. So back before you came along, Petey and I did a segment with his now ex-wife. Maybe that's why it's his ex. Sorry, Pete. Um, uh, it was called Wrestler or Porn Star, and we would bring her on the air, and we would ask her a porn star name or a wrestler name, and she had to figure out whether it was a wrestler or a porn star. Oh, so yeah, I don't, I, I, don't... I, I, I would need to find someone to date me to be able to bring her on to do that if we were going to do it, and I don't know if you're, you're, I'm not, you know, I, I don't really need to, you know. I don't know. I don't know many porn stars, nor do well, I I'll want do all to. the research for you. I mean, I don't, I don't know them, but I, I mean, I could help you out and, and do the research. There's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to dirt. I don't want to dirty up this family friendly podcast. <laughs> oh, look at that. Uh, leave it the beaver over there. All right. Yeah. Uh, listen, are you ready to get to our interview? Yeah, I'm ready for Medusa. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy Medusa. As talked about earlier in the episode, we have Medusa. And Lars, I know you know a little bit about her, but I'm going to, for the people at home, I'm going to read off a few of her credentials. She's only PWI's first female rookie of the year in 1988. She was part of <laughs> one of my favorite alliances ever, the Dangerous Alliance. She's a 2015 WWE Hall of Famer. And by the way, congratulations on the Women's Wrestling Hall of Fame that you were just inducted in in 2023. Uh, time traveling there. She's a two-time Monster Cup champ, WCW Cruiserweight champion, three-time Women's champion, and she has a book coming out, Lars. And I know how much you love to read. She actually held the New Japan Women's title for one day as well. Yeah, I think it was at least 24 hours. At least yeah. that's what they could have done. And they did. At least they did that. WCW didn't even give me the women's titles. So. No. And it's Bad funny. Well, all, and all, all the things that you did for that company. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, who were the bookers for that? What the uh, hell? I, who, who remembers? Who remembers? But... Hmm. Woman Who Would Be King pre-sell now on Amazon. You can go to ecwpress.com to order it. Uh, it comes out this fall. Thank you, Medusa, the baddest bitch ever, for hanging out with us for at okay. least six hours. Oh, oh, hey. Well, it's so funny. Um, I was rushing in, and because uh, the hubby and I are like running all around, um, I surprised him with uh, two round-trip tickets 
um, to Minnesota and we're going on to the purpose. Game. Oh, we're going to the Vikings game on Christmas. So that's his Christmas. Dinner. So I got two tickets in a suite. Oh my God. This is going to be that's so good. Awesome. Yeah. So we're like, do a pull to get Christmas suite tickets. <laughs> Whatever. I'm from Minnesota. So, Hey, well, that's where you said that first time I ever saw you was AWA programming based out of Minnesota. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I was really green. I was doing independence. Um, a guy named Ty Michelson, actually. Um, my girlfriend was dating him. He was a Hollywood stunt coordinator. And he told me I belong in the entertainment business. And I thought, what a piece of shit he's hitting on me with when he's with my <laughs> girlfriend here, right? And so, no, he, I mean, I thought, okay, wait a minute. I'm a big jock. I'm a gymnast. I'm a track and field star, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I could be a, I could be a Hollywood stunt woman. Hell yeah. And so he's like, no, I was thinking more like pro wrestling. And I just like vomited in my mouth. I'm like, what? Why would you say that? Ew. And so anyway, he kept bugging me, bugging me. And then that's how that came to fruition. And I was putting myself through nursing at the time. So I was mending bones and I went to break bones, actually. And I quit my nursing right, like right before graduation and went into wrestling. What the hell? And then, uh, yeah, and then that's how that started. And then I got a call from Wahoo McDaniel. Oh, God, great story. I got a great story in my book about Wahoo, by the way. Um, great guy. And uh, he's the one that got me in for a meeting with him and Vern. And that's how I started AWA. That's how I met Paul Heyman. And, you know, I was managing Kurt Henning and uh, Nick Kaminsky, Calvin Kelly. I mean, great, great bunch of talent out of AWA. I mean, guys, it's incredible. In fact, I think um, had some of the greatest talent. I mean, it's like it was the water. It was the water we drank. Actually, we were half frozen half the year anyway. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's where it all started, man. Yep. How long did it take you to actually fall in love with wrestling or even the industry itself? Well, I mean, I was really good to wrestling. Wrestling wasn't good to me at all. And I mean, there were. How do I? I've hit, I hit the pinnacle of my career a couple of times in that business and I was very lucky and I'm, I'm grateful for everything, but I mean, I had to pound pavement just like all the women before me even harder. And I had to continue and I wanted to change the trajectory of women's wrestling, the way they were perceived and not taken seriously. And I mean, I worked so many years just to um, get my name on the damn marquee. Like whenever you saw, you know, the, the lineup for the night, you would see everybody's matches, right? The beginning, the mid card, semi and main event. We were on the bottom. The women were, call, were called and more. So it were, I really, really had to work hard to even get women listed. And then finally it happened. I was so excited. Um, I was wrestling Sherry Martell at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. And it was a great match. Um, and we wrestled for like eight or 10 minutes. I got paid 800 bucks. Dude, that was like in the 80s. That was big money back then. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. And it's funny because we're talking about you and you're kind of one of those, you are one of the pioneers of women's professional wrestling as we know it. And here we are, and I don't know how current you are with wrestling, but the whole situation with Mandy Rose, the WWE talent being let go for uh, her side hustle. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so, you know, as a woman in this business, 
what kind of advice would you kind of give to her? Um, you know, would you be, because she basically said, well, later, and I make more money over here, I'm going to go do this instead. So what kind of advice as a, 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 would you give this, you know, young lady now, today's day? I mean, I get, I have, well, that question is brought up a lot. And what I can say and what I would do, and everyone has their own reasoning. Everyone has their own decisions. And we are a product of our actions. Let's put it that way. Um, even with times changing. Um, if Mandy chose to be a pro wrestler and sign with WWE and get a second chance by going to NXT and reinventing herself and she just ignited, like she really came into her own, like Mandy was like really happening, right? She was doing so good. And um, it was so beautiful to see. Now her and I, we get along great. And I feel that if you're under contract and you know what those, um, you know what the rules are, let's say. Um, and if you want to try to push the envelope, you know what the ramifications are. So I'm not saying what she chose to do was wrong for Mandy, but it was perhaps maybe wrong for the contract. So if you know you're going into the contract and you're signing and you're signing with a company that has these rules and regulations of what you can do and what you can't do, then you should know the rules, right? Um, on, an, on the other hand, um, with her having her own, oh, whatever it is, her own fan page, right? Um, I, I think it's great to have side hustles. However, if you're under a contract that owns your likeness, even though you're using a different name, your likeness, and you're being presented in that way where it has effects on what you're doing, a company has every right to, you know, have a standoff meeting and probably communicate with you once or twice and then do what they need to do. Um, uh, I think that, um, are, is it a double standard? I mean, is there other things happening? Well, yeah, and that's, that's, it sucks. It's bullshit, right? So we see a lot of men. I'm just going to, I'm not picking on you men here, but I'm just saying men in general in this business, and it still happens today, can get hung out by their ball sack and just, you know, and still get a second chance, right? Um, if she got a warning and she still continued to do it and then she got fired, then shame on her right? If you're under contract, absolutely. It, business is business, guys. You know what you're getting into, period. So, um, and unless she wanted to F it up and, you know, and take her hiatus and go somewhere else, then, you know, that was her choice. We don't know that. I don't know that. You don't know that. But I know that because I'm sure she had a lawyer, that my lawyer and I would sit down, look at this contract. Okay. I cannot have, you know, I cannot be on Twitch. I cannot have my own fans only page. I can't, I'm dedicated to just this. And I would say, okay, I'm willing to accept that and sign this contract for X amount of years 
And then when this comes due to renew, I'll reevaluate it to see if this is what I want to do and then maybe pursue other things. That's just how I do business, really. Um, a lot of people, you know, I put that out there on social media and then you have a lot of people that really don't do their due diligence and understand history anyway. And there's a like, you're such a bitch. You threw the title in the trash. And I'm like, guys, I wasn't employed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, w- I wasn't under contract, you know, I just, you know, whatever. So I think that um, there needs, still needs to be changes if it was a double standard, if there was no warning for her. Um, guys do get warnings in this business and they're still employed there, which is unfortunate. Well, I wanted to elaborate because there's going to be no argument that there's a double, double standard, you know, for women in the workplace. There always has been anybody who has a mom who works mm. or did work knows this to be true. So if it's either ignorance or even more ignorance that would not see that. I guess what I'm asking is, though, is a lot of people, the argument, the counter argument is as well, 20 years ago, you know, there was wrestlers in Playboy and Playgirl. And, and it's like, can you argue the double standard from, a, uh, from, from 20 years ago? I mean, is, it, is that still relevant? I mean, the WWE was in a different place at that time where they had contracts with these other, you know, sort of adult companies, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, and I totally do agree with you. Like men do get more second chances than women do. I mean, I, I, th- that I won't, would never argue with. I guess my point is, is that the, what advice would you give her at this point in her career as maybe a wrestler or whatever she wants to do? Are you kind of rooting for her in the sense of like, you know, be your best self kind of thing, you know, do what makes you the most money or, you know, honor your contract. Um, two things I've had to have a lot of come to Jesus talks with myself saying, what is more important? Is it my integrity or is it the money or is it this, or is it that? And sometimes other things weigh out others, but the choice that you really want is this, you know, the almighty dollar, but in the long run, your integrity can never be bought. You know what I'm saying? So... Of course, I'm always a cheerleader for people that want to do things and go off and do their thing and be better and whatever they think. However, I'm I'm a business person. And so if again, I, I I'm I'm rooting for her. Of course you want her to do well. Um, but I don't I don't understand where the disconnect is if you know she didn't understand the contract she should have asked, right? Um, or I feel that maybe she should have got a warning first. Maybe she did. Maybe this was her second or third. Who knows? Right. I don't know. So I can't sit here and say too much. Right. 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 Um, all I can say is if it was me, if this was me, um, I, I really do. I wish her the best because she is, she is a talented and of course a beautiful woman. Uh, and you want the best for people. You do. This isn't my question, but this is a follow-up to it. Would the Medusa from 1995 give the same answer you just gave today with the wisdom <laughs> and the history you have? Because I, I don't know much about you, but I, I, I perceive you back then as, you know what, uh, fuck everybody. I'm doing it my way. Kiss my ass, kind of, kind of how you were then. That's just my perception of how you 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 came off back then. 
Do you have that same advice if you were asked this back then? I mean, that's a good question, Dennis. I mean, that is my attitude still to this day. However, um, it's I, I during that time, that 95 time when that whole title in the trash happened, um, it I wasn't under contract. I was I wasn't I was an independent um, before I even signed. So um, there's a lot that goes with that. And it's in my book. Okay. It's amazing. It's a great story. By the way, in my book, I don't throw anyone under the bus, but I do change a few names. <laughs> <laughs> you got to you know, protect I'm, the innocent. Yeah. Well, you know, the in, you know, I not that some of these people don't need to be um brought to the forefront because this business was very Harvey Weinstein-ish, let's put it that way. Um, um and they I have watched these people get what they deserved in other ways. So I think that people that want to throw people under the bus in a book for five seconds of pleasure, 30 years later, um, is very harmful when they have kids and families that are innocent to the situation. Now, I say Harvey Weinstein is, you know, um, you know, that, that bastard got probably got what he had coming, right? So, and there was a lot of guys like that in this business, trust me, guys that, you know, so, um, and it's just a matter of time. You know what I mean? Um, I will take probably a lot of it to my grave because it's just no one's business at this point. Uh, um, I explain a lot in my book in somehow some form you guys, a lot of people will, they'll, 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 they'll understand. Well, I, I, I go ahead, Dennis, please. I, I was going to ask, did you see the the change in how men treated women uh, evolve while you were in the industry? Or did it happen while you were out of the industry? And because, uh, you know, I have a daughter, you know, we we respect women on the show. I've, I've got one on the way. Yeah. Oh, congratulations, guys. Yes. Thank you. So, so, you know, when it comes to treating women right. I, I like to think we do whatever we can to not be the creepy guys that uh, are on the internet. <laughs> no Wait promises. a minute. Any two guys that sit on a Zoom call are creepy anyway. No, hey, I'm just kidding. Hey, Wait till hey, you Especially from call. San Francisco. Hey. What the whoa, hell? Whoa. whoa. <laughs> but, okay, go ahead. Yes. But, but did that change while you were in the industry where you saw less of the – I don't want to be crass, but I mean, we're all dancing around it, but it's, do you want on the card? Sleep with me kind of attitude. Did that attitude slowly die away as either you moved up the ladder or times changed? <laughs> um, I, I guess they, they found. Let's see with times communications change. And words change. And I think they found more eloquent ways to communicate it. So it wasn't so obvious. So back in the day, it used to be all cast and couch bullshit, right? The old, you know, the old words and whatnot. Um, I think people are very, very careful nowadays. I, you know, it, it's, it's always going to happen. It's just always going to happen. It's always going to be there somewhere, somehow, no matter how many AIs you have sitting around or phones or whatnot. It's just crap's going to happen. Um, 
did I see a big change? Of course, I saw an evolution of or progressing to get better. Absolutely. And it's a lot better now than it was. I, I will say, yes. When you have guys shitting in a woman's food and watching her eat it is very, it's just. just Someone should go to jail for that shit. Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> it is disgusting. And let me tell you, you know, what, you know, this is what I'm saying. These men that did stuff like this are people's idols today. And it's, it's, um, it's kind of like when I say Harvey Weinstein-ish, people would be shocked because of everything that Harvey did for everybody and all the stars he hung around with and all the big names. It's kind of, it'd be like shocking like that in wrestling. Well, it I would think really I a, disappoint a lot of you. I think I have a pretty good idea about the types that you're talking about. I can kind of picture a few. Um, I do want to, uh, you know, kind of elevate this, this interview uh, in a sense, because I feel like we're in this mire of negativity. And we're it's not negative. No, I don't mean no, to interrupt Lars. No. It's not negative. It's, it's, it was, it happened. It was a past um, and it evolved. It has gotten better. Like I said, um and maybe negative maybe negative was the a poor choice of words what i meant was dark that's all oh yeah it was dark <laughs> it was yeah it was unfortunate but you know what you you um through those hard times and dark times you chose what to do who to communicate with and and basically and move forward um, you learn to keep your own space and move forward. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of good things that happen, you know, and there's a lot of good people in this business. It just wasn't that, but it was, it was a circus actually. So well, did you, did, forward. Did you, yeah. <laughs> did you have to find people though? Because I mean, I can only imagine what it was like to be a woman of your caliber wrestling skill. I mean, cause you were a great wrestler. Let's be, let's be honest. If anybody goes back and watches your matches and you're speaking of that one with sherry martell <clears throat> i mean we're talking about two very great professional wrestlers who know their craft know how to tell a story bring the psychology to it and, and, and you know i think about well where were you able to go to find advice or seek a little shelter and in, in whom were you able to confide were there were there any you know male or females in that career on your trajectory upwards um that maybe you found someone, is there somebody that was a pivotal point for you? That's a great question because I, I really didn't, you know, the people or the women before me that I could confide into would have been your moolahs and Joan Byers and stuff like that, but they weren't, they weren't around. So I call that the golden era. And then after the golden era was basically the lost era, which was mine. Right. It was that quick little four year, didn't know what to do. And then the attitude era happened, Right. Um, and then the divas and then da, 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 da. So I think as far as me looking up to it, there's two people that I did probably look up to a lot. And that was Ray, the Crippler Stevens and Wahoo and AWA. They were complete gentlemen, complete gentlemen. And I hung around with them, went fishing. I was like the little kid. Right. And, um, and Paul Heyman, I owe a lot to Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, really, he, he did so much for my career he gave me opportunity. He pushed me out there and 
kept me in front of the camera and the microphone when I had no business, you know, so green. But it was that trial and error and constant get out there, get out there, get out there um, and throwing himself in the mix and having matches with him. And I mean, we're best friends. We're just, you know, best friends to this day. And um, there's people like that. Absolutely. Um, as far as women, I would say Leilani Kai is so brilliant in this business. Her mind and her psychology is impeccable. Um, another person that is very good in this business, her mind and psychology, it would blow you away is Missy Hyatt. If you ever got a chance to speak to Missy Hyatt, her freaking brain, like, I mean, she goes all the way back from back, back territories. Right. And she has some, I mean, we all have had our, um, adversities in life. Right. Um, so, and we overcome them and you know, become a better person. And, but there's one thing about her, her, her business sense was just, it was great working with her too, because she, she would be on cue. She knew her spot. She was da, 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 da. Um, and Sherry Martel, she was, um, she wasn't really like a wrestler, technical wrestler. She was more of a brawler, but when it comes to, um, psychology and timing, that woman had everything, absolutely everything. But I would confide and probably talk to Leilani the most. I mean, that was my era, right? right. Um, and yeah, I mean, there wasn't. And then fast forward, um, you know, being thrown back into the mix now, working with WWE under their Legends contract and, you know, intermittently showing up on NXT, working with the girls, go back into the, you know, Evolution pay-per-view. Um, I never thought it would happen. You know, when the business was changing and it was like around 99, I knew the business was changing when I was thrown in to do these damn evening gown matches and tell me to right. pass out in a bikini and have to wrestle and have barbecue sauce poured down my chest. And, you know, I was so freaking pissed and I worked so hard for, you know, to make women's wrestling legit and just, oh, it was frustrating. <laughs> and, but that wasn't me. You know, I power to the women and their choices because that was the attitude era happening and it was strong and whatever. And that, that was then that's what you had to do. And that's, if you wanted to do it, you did it. Um, I already pounded pavement for, you know, whatever, 18 years prior, whatever. And I just said, I'm done. And plus I got wind that Vince might be buying WCW. So I just said, I'm peace out. This is it. I'm end of my contract. You know, I'm, I'm done. And then I got that wonderful call from Mike Weber. He's the COO of Fight TV. And um, he just said, hey, Deuce, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm out of here because it's a tits and ass show. And I've fallen right into it, bubbling my tits all over the show. So I said, I'm so out. I'm so disgusted. And um, so and that's when he asked me if I wanted to drive monster trucks. So it's like all of a sudden I transitioned from wrestling into monster trucks. And I was like, oh. I'm a gearhead, man. I ride Harleys. I just, you know, and so I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll try it <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> what the hell? There you are. I know. It's so but, fun. But you've mentioned though, you, now you're kind of popping up on AEW. You, yeah. But Dennis, I, I, yeah, I've seen her drive a monster truck. You did? Oh yeah. Were we in San, we were in, were we in San Francisco? You were in Oakland at the Coliseum over there. Oh, I loved Oakland too. Oh my God. Yes. So I've seen, I've, I've t yes, I've seen you do it. So I digress. Sorry. 
I did. Nope. Uh, Sorry. Uh, uh, kind of what I was saying was you were you had said you were popping up on AEW, which I loved. You've been doing some WWE stuff. Now, do you feel like? And I don't want to use the word gatekeeper, but now do you feel like you're one of those mentors where you where you didn't have one, you've learned how to be the mentor for this generation of women's wrestling? And can you talk a little bit about how that door reopened for you and were you reluctant to step through it? Oh, my gosh. Reluctant? I was scared because <laughs> when I when I, I was sitting in a driver's meeting getting ready for a race and my phone was going off to text, you know. And I, the first message was like, hey, uh, this is WWE, please call. And I went, what the hell? And I'm in a driver's meeting and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, damn, a fan got my numbers. Oh, dang it. I'm like, why is WWE calling me after 25 years? <laughs> you know, there's no way. And then I get another call and it's like, uh, please call the office. I'm like, okay, I'm really pissed. Who gave, who, you know, is my number out there? And then again, a third one was, this is Carano from Talent Relations. Could you, I'm like, well, damn, they must need my new address for tax reasons or something, right? So anyway, when I got, in the, when I got my dressing room to get ready for my race, um, I was like butt-ass naked and I was pulling up my fire suit around my ankles and I'm sitting here to get dressed and I put it on speaker and I'm talking to him and he goes, you know, we were just wondering if you would be interested in, um, you know, have the honor and just, would you like to be in the hall of fame? I nearly, I, I, I'm like, what? I said, and the first thing I said is, does Vince know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so that going back to your question, Dennis, and the long story, cause you know, I'm just not um, I was like, um, I was very scared. I didn't know how the kids were going to accept me. I didn't know how it was because once I left wrestling, I never watched it for I mean, I never turned on. I was so pissed. I was just, I was jaded. I was just like, you know, screw you. Um, blah, blah, blah. I was good to you. You weren't good to me. And um, I just let it be. I mean, I, you know, I tried not to be, you know, bitter or anything. So I just let it go. So I wouldn't be bitter. And um, I wouldn't carry on in my life. But when I got that call and I went in there and I didn't know what to expect, oh my God, everybody was so amazing. They were uh, the kids. They were just all asking questions and they were just so in awe. And I was like, well, this is different. Very different. They were so polite, well-mannered. I mean, I'm like, man, this is a class act. Now it was like, no pun intended. When I went back in 2015, it was like WWE on steroids, <laughs> meaning every, the production, everything was like 10 times as big. It was, it was the same but it was like 10, 20 times as big. You know what I mean? It was just huge. Like everything about it um, from the damn cafeteria that they would have the spread that they would have the food. It was amazing. And from the, you know, from the production crew and just the talent and the sewing and the makeup, the 20 makeup artists for these girls. I'm like, what? I didn't even have one. What the heck? <laughs> And so it's a lot change and you're just trying to soak this all up. And then you have kids coming up and asking questions. And I just thought it was pretty amazing. And then when they asked me to come back intermittently, um, you know, I've, I've gained some great relations with these girls, the younger ones. And so I'll get a DM sometimes, um, you know, uh, miss, miss, they call me miss blaze, miss blaze. Um, da, 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 and I'm like, okay, if you have a minute, this is my thought, you know, something like that. 
Um, so it's, it's kind of, it makes you feel good. It does because I never, I never really got that, you know, or had that opportunity. So, um, yeah, fast forward 20 something years. Yeah. It feels good. My question is probably a simple yes or no answer, but I'm a maybe. Virgo. Maybe. See, now you're fucking with me. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, you're too All easy. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. So I, I guess, you know, the one thing is like, okay, and I and I just I don't want to harp on it too much, but you drop the belt in the trash can. Oh, here it is. At commercial break, did you did you grab it back out? Commercial break? No, they actually uh, it's in my book. But anyway, I will tell you this. Um, I, you know, right when I got to my room, right after that, I walked right to my dress room and just like 15 seconds later, it was knocking on my door and I got the belt directly back. <laughs> yeah. They were that okay. good. That's, that's, that's all I wanted to know. Next yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so far so good. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Eric and I, go back and forth about who called who you know i i say he called me he says i called him but I, and i tell him i said dude who gives a shit it was the biggest part of your career <laughs> i mean honestly that was a shot that was a shot that was a shot and you know it's made such a big impact and for you to be part of that that sort of pivotal point in wrestling history i mean that was a big effing deal like if yeah there was a, a there was a there was a, if it was it was an end of an era to a certain extent i don't like i said i don't really want to dwell on it because i know the subject has been talked about over and over and over and i know that there's so many other questions me and dennis want to ask dennis um, so okay. i gotta get i gotta give it to dennis dennis drum roll please uh, you know what? Uh, you have this phenomenal legacy, and it, it seems like finally the wrestling community, the wrestling fans are really giving you the props you deserve. And, it, and, and I'm probably guilty of this, but it felt like when you were gone, it was out of sight, out of mind. And then we put these other women that had uh, mediocre talent, I'll even say it, up on these pedestals of being – Amazing women's wrestlers who, you know, built a, you know, overcame the bra and panties era to build this new evolution, and you kept being left out. Now, you are kind of back in, as you said, you, you, you've welcomed wrestling back into your heart. Wrestling has kind of welcomed you back. Do you look back on your legacy as, you know what, God damn it, I deserve more props than, than I'm getting. And you don't seem like that kind, but I think you deserve more props than you're getting. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I don't sit here and go, I'm owed this, <laughs> you know, um, I know what I did for the business. And what I mean by that is when you look at today's women's wrestling, this was me 30 years ago. So this is my style, basically, and what they're doing. Our heavy hitters are great wrestlers. Um, and that I fought for so hard that I was doing back then with the, you know, Bull McConnell's, Audra Kong's, and whatnot. And you look at that and you bring this here. That's what's happening today. So um, my work is done. You know what I mean? And finally, it's, you know, it's come to fruition and it's good to see. Well, do you, do you, are you watching more wrestling now mm -hmm. um, since you're more involved again? Mm -hmm. Are you watching other programming? Are you? I watch it all. 
especially okay. the independents too. Yeah. Independents yeah. are, are just sick. You know so what you, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're taking notes of people mm -hmm. who maybe you think have talent and stuff like that. So what, what is your opinion of the current state of professional wrestling, not just the women, but just the whole thing? Well, again, um, wrestling has its pinnacle points, like every 10, 15 years, and it goes like this. And we've been hitting that pinnacle here for a little bit, like most, like during, this is, you know, the Hulk Hogan era. Remember that big? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It rode its way for a while. That's kind of like where we're at, where we've been. And, you know, it's kind of like AEW was WCW. And then you had, you know, the other one, which was ECW, which is, uh, what's the other one? Oh, uh, impact or impact or yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, so you have your, all of your, you know, federations, but I think today with all of the technology and, um, everything else out there than where it was before, um, it, it becomes more ready, available, more saturated, um, and you can pick and choose at any time. So, um, it, becomes more flavorful, I would say, where the others were just kind of just there and pushed in your face and you were forced to like that or not. So it's really good to see different federations happening at this pinnacle point, you know, um, at once instead of just one federation. Um, I, there's, as far as I'm concerned, WWE will always be the muscle of the industry. And um, it is a machine that'll never be touched. It won't. Never. I, I, I should. Okay. Never is a big word. Uh, it just, it's, it's the mother of all federations. And it is amazing. Um, just the muscle it has behind it. Um, and I, I'm glad to see that there is other federations, you know, because everyone needs a place to work. I, I wish, I mean, and they're different styles. You know what I mean? Impact has its style. WWE has its style. AEW has its style. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a producer on NWA. I work with Billy, Billy Corgan. And what an amazing guy, by the way. And he, you know, he has a different vision and it is totally old school territory type of thing. And um, just real good wrestling. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I know he's fighting for and working towards good things with NWA. So hopefully we'll see some good. I, 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 thir I thoroughly enjoy that programming. So I, I'm a fan of the NWA. Oh, thanks. All right. I'll tell him that. Yes. yes. Well, yeah, see I mean, him soon. He should know. I mean, we've, you know, he should know. We've been trying we to get him here. This close to having him on the podcast. Billy, I know you watch. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't make Maybe. me. Don't, don't make me say Toad the Wet Sprockets is my favorite 90s band now. I will do it. Oh, I will do it. All right. Dude, the fact that you even re would remember that band is all the more reason we should probably end this interview out of just embarrassment. Oh, well, that's not. Oh, uh, you know, man. I do. Let me let me get a, another question. Hey, but, but, well, Medusa, stay out of this for a second. Okay. I got beef with it. No, I'm just oh, kidding. God. <laughs> okay. I'll uh, drop you in the trash can. Okay. Anyways, Again, 
<laughs> but uh, you know, you beat a producer. Uh, our old co-host PD Williams went from wrestler to producer, and he succeeded. And where there's a PD Williams, there's five or ten other guys that try to make the transition and just can't do it. Uh, being a producer definitely different than being a wrestler. So who taught Oof. you how to successfully become a producer? Well, there's no school to be a producer, and it's just like the business. Either you have the charisma or you don't. You cannot buy it. You cannot teach it. You cannot loan it. Charisma is charisma, and it is a gift. And some people have it, and they don't know it. So that's where the training comes in to bring that charisma out and recognize with that person. So even be, being a producer is knowing how to communicate with our kids and you know our students and or our business or colleagues that we work with, right? Um, and it's understanding the business. It's got to give them room to make mistakes and then there to communicate that mistake. I believe that um, I feel that when I'm working with kids and on their matches and stuff like that, is um, I want to hear what they're doing, what their idea is. I come to them and say, hey, you've got 10 minutes. You're going over. Uh, what's your finish? Um, okay, so, and then I listen. I said, all I want to know is kind of what your start is, your high spot in the center, and your finish. Anything in between, that's, that's make magic. You know what I mean? That way, when they tell me kind of like what their finish is, I have it down. So when, you know, of course, when this match is making sense or not making sense and it doesn't go accordingly, <laughs> that's we're sitting down and talking and finding out why not, you know, or what could we have done better? Or, you know, why did you do this move? Or why do you think this timing was off here? And, you know, a lot of it is the same, you know, they get excited or they forget they got kicked in the head and I didn't know where I was or, you know, um, but it, a lot of it is just learning and timing and, it is that psychology. Psychology is very hard, very hard. Um, and it's just knowing when to grab it and to use it and to work it and to let it go, you know? So I'm just getting into it. But. Well, for my last question, um, how come it took you so long to write a book? I tried to produce this or produce it. I tried to publish it um, three or four times, believe it or not. Whoa. And each, yeah, each time Lars and Dennis, I'm sure you've been this place in your life where um, you go to do something and you just, intuition has been my moneymaker as a woman in this business. And my intuition told me like, okay, there's just, there's something happening here and there's a transition, you know, okay, I need to further. Um, and then it was like the third, second time or whatever, I was getting ready to publish it. And then I got that call to do monster trucks. I'm like, Oh, hell no, I can't publish this yet. <laughs> right, going right, into right. monster trucks, right. you know? And it's like, you know, then finally one thing after another and all these great things. And I said, after, you know, after I got inducted into the hall of fame, I said, oh, it's probably time I need to sit down and figure this out. Well, uh, I'm going to say wrapping this up as a guy who grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, watching WCW, you will mm. always be Medusa to me. Uh, I will not ever recognize the blaze name. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. So funny. A lot of people say that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> For me, that's what you are. You're Medusa to me. 
And the fact that uh, you and wrestling have come back together, it makes me so much happy because you are one of those people that uh, I don't ever say the word deserves because, you know, you you get what you work for. But Amen. it's it's far too long since the doors have opened for you to come back. And are you done in the ring? I, I got to ask this one last thing. Of course your, you do. Are you done? Are you are we going to see you in the ring again? Well, here's that's my dirt sheet question, by the way. So we this always see in the attitude era. Who do we always see coming back? It's always Lita and Trish. I'm right. I'm pretty burnt out over them. I love them dearly. They're colleagues of mine, and I think they're great. But I even tell them, I said, girls, this ain't at you. I'm just like there was women before you that should have a retirement match and i'm right here so that's all i'll say dirt sheets pick that up and uh let's get that out right now yeah we always they always talk a hot game but you know i don't know well you'll you'll always you'll always be medusa to me too so well thank you guys i appreciate it i do and thank you so much for having me and it's always good to um you know voice you know and open up and uh all right hold on a second well while you do that i'm gonna say make sure you go out and get her book women woman who would be king uh pre-sale out now as we said on amazon you can go to ecwpress.com make sure you order it i think uh fall is when it comes out if i'm uh no march march March? of 2023 Okay. Yes, and it is out on Amazon right now. And Paul Heyman wrote the foreword. That should be good. I'm going to actually pre-order that oh, right now. Oh, thank you. Done. Well, yeah. no, I mean, because I, you know, if you can't see, but I, I, I have a lot of wrestling books. I have. You shelved. do. You're a reader. I love to read, dude. Oh my god, <laughs> those are all wrestling books. Yes. I mean, oh. I, you know, I've been I've been a fan since I was ten years old. You know, and really, fortunately, yeah, fortunately, growing up in the Bay Area, we got AWA, we got mm-hmm. WWF. When TBS, we had NWA, we had Polynesian Pacific because you know, yeah. on the UHF, we had Portland, we had UWF, we had Glow, we had you know, on yeah, Saturdays, no. yeah. I mean, on Saturdays, you know, you had eleven hours. Filled with, you know, you had the Mid-South stuff, whatever, the UWF at the time or whatever mm. it was, but Bill Watts's territory. So, and I'm a super fan. I mean, that's, if the, if there's anything we I love more are. than punk, punk rock, it's it's pro wrestling. So. so how'd you get into music? Why? Because why? I was a Listen poor, to me. <laughs> yeah, why? Why? Um, because I was a poor kid and that's probably the only way I was going to get out of my project housing. You know what I mean? I, I, I probably, you. I, you know, I probably... Honestly, the trajectory that I was at, I mean, the first time I got locked up, I was like 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I found music and, and punk rock and stuff like that, it gave me an outlet. So I was able to kind of grab onto that and, and then became a touring musician when I was about 19. I'm 51 now. So right. but I still got this, this passion for what we're all talk, talking about. So that is know. so cool. God, and, and I, I'm congrats and God bless on you on your new baby. It, oh my you. God, your life is about to change. Again. Again. I got, oh, you I have got more. Two boys. I got oh, you two boys. do. Holy crap. I'm trying. I'm going for a basketball team. So I had to find a, <laughs> find a future wife that's 10 years younger than me. 
stuff. Oh, there damn. I see. I like, I like my men younger too. My husband. <laughs> see, you I had my uterus removal, Lars, so I'm out. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Time to, time to end the podcast. Medusa, uh, where can people I'm find not. you online? Uh, Medusa on everything. <laughs> Go follow Medusa. her. M-A-D-U-S-A. She is amazing. <laughs> and we are so thankful to have you on, Medusa. Thank you so much for coming on The Wrestling Perspective with us. You guys are great. And I'll, when I'm in San Francisco, I'm looking you up. Please I feel do. like the Brady Bunch. And here's a story. <laughs> About a man named Brady. All right, we're ending it now. Okay. For everybody right. at home, the show's over. We're saying goodbye, our goodbyes off the air. We'll see you later. See you. Bye.